Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, Android is becoming a worldwide earthquake detection network. Major legal setback for Uber and Lyft in California. Businesses using Bitcoin as their capital reserves. Parallels Desktop supports Big Sur. Enreal still believes in consumer AR glasses. And we finally get to try my deep fake audio experiment. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. I gotta admit that this sounds cool as hell. Android is becoming a worldwide earthquake detection network. Google is partnering with the U.S. Geological Survey to create a worldwide Android phone-powered earthquake alert system using the accelerometers found in smartphones. The first part of the system is rolling out today, and it is opt-in. But if you do opt-in, your phone will automatically send data points to a system that will be used to detect earthquakes, quoting The Verge. It's a feature made possible through Google's strengths, the staggering number of Android phones around the world, and clever use of algorithms on big data. As with its collaboration with Apple on exposure tracing and other Android features like car crash detection and emergency location services, it shows that there are untapped ways that smartphones could be used for something more important than doom scrolling. Google is rolling out the system in small stages. First, Google is partnering with the United States Geological Survey and the California Office of Emergency Services to send the agency's earthquake alerts to Android users in that state. Those alerts are generated by the already existing Shake Alert system, which uses data generated by traditional seismometers. It'd be great if there were just seismometer-based systems everywhere that could detect earthquakes, said Mark Stogatis, principal Android software engineer at Google. But he continues, that's not really practical, and it's unlikely to have global coverage because seismometers are extremely expensive. They have to be constantly maintained, you need a lot of them in an area to really have a good earthquake, early warning system, etc. So the second and third stages of Google's plan will be powered instead by Android phones. The company is proceeding fairly cautiously. In the second stage, Google will show localized results in Google searches for earthquakes based on the data it's detecting from Android phones. The idea there is that when you feel an earthquake, you'll go to Google to see if that's what you felt or not. But finally, once it has more confidence in the accuracy of the system, Google will begin actively sending out earthquake warnings to people who live in areas where there are not seismometer-based warning systems." End quote. There's plenty of additional nerdy details in the piece I just quoted from about how phones are actually sensitive enough to detect both P waves and S waves from earthquakes. In fact, more often than not, people don't even detect the P wave, but it turns out your phone can. Google believes its system is capable of locating the epicenter of quakes eventually and determining their strength. And Google hopes to have different levels of alerts depending on the earthquake severity. It's also going to develop and release an API for this, so iPhones might be able to someday plug into that. Or also things like elevator systems, gas systems, airplanes, so that they know automatically not to land. All sorts of amazing things could eventually be done with this system. 
In a lawsuit brought by California's attorney general, a judge has issued a preliminary injunction ordering Uber and Lyft to convert their drivers to employees, employees who would be eligible to receive benefits. This is an early ruling, and there will no doubt be appeals, but this is perhaps the most meaningful rebuke in the ongoing legal issues surrounding the gig economy. Quoting Bloomberg, San Francisco Superior Court Judge Ethan Shulman agreed with California Attorney General Xavier Becerra that Uber and Lyft are violating the state law, Assembly Bill 5, but paused the injunction for 10 days so the companies can appeal his decision. If it stands, the ruling could spur ride-hailing companies to halt their services in the most populous U.S. state while they adjust their business model to comply with it. As other judges in California have done, Shulman cast doubt on the company's defense of keeping drivers classified as contractors, saying it, quote, flies in the face of economic reality and common sense. Their, quote, insistence that their businesses are multi-sided platforms rather than transportation companies is flatly inconsistent with the statutory provisions that govern their business as transportation network companies, Shulman wrote. Uber and Lyft both said in response that most of their drivers prefer to be classified as contractors. Quote, the vast majority of drivers want to work independently, an Uber spokesperson said in an emailed statement. When over 3 million Californians are without a job, our elected leaders should be focused on creating work, not trying to shut down an entire industry during an economic depression. End quote. MicroStrategy is a NASDAQ-listed business intelligence company. And it has become the first publicly traded company to buy Bitcoin as a part of its overall capital allocation strategy, quoting The Block. The company announced on Tuesday that it has purchased 21,454 Bitcoins currently worth over $250 million. MicroStrategy first revealed its plan to buy Bitcoin as a way to avoid inflation on July 28th. Quote, our investment in Bitcoin is part of our new capital allocation strategy, which seeks to maximize long-term value for our shareholders, said MicroStrategy CEO Michael J. Saylor. This investment reflects our belief that Bitcoin, as the world's most widely adopted cryptocurrency, is a dependable store of value and an attractive investment asset with more long-term appreciation potential than holding cash, end quote. It is not clear whether MicroStrategy bought the Bitcoins via a crypto exchange or an over-the-counter trading desk and where these Bitcoins are held. The block has reached out to the company and will update this story should we hear back, end quote. Parallels Desktop 16 is here, adding support for Big Sur, 3D and Metal, and zoom and rotate gestures on multi-touch trackpads. Parallels also claims Desktop 16 will get 20% faster DirectX performance, quoting Ars Technica. In addition to supporting Big Sur for both host machines and virtual machines, Parallels Desktop 16 has a slightly different look to fit the different appearance Apple has gone with in Big Sur. While Big Sur support is the flagship feature here, there's a laundry list of small improvements in this release. For example, Parallels Desktop 16 supports 3D and Metal applications when running a Mac OS Big Sur virtual machine on a Mac OS Big Sur host. Also, printers can be shared between host and virtual machines across operating systems, and support has been added for Zoom and Rotate gestures on multi-touch trackpads for Windows apps that have Zoom rotation functionality. We asked about any plans for supporting Windows on Apple Silicon in Big Sur, but Parallels reps declined to talk about that, saying they would discuss it at a later date, end quote. Enreal is a company you think you've never heard of, but I'm here to tell you, you actually have. Because I shared audio when I visited their booth at CES earlier this year. Enreal makes AR glasses. 
They actually fought off an IP theft lawsuit from Magic Leap, remember them? And they've actually beat Magic Leap in another way, as they're still bringing commercial AR glasses to the market. Unreal is shipping their AR glasses in South Korea this month for $586 or $295 if you bundle it with a Galaxy Note 20, quoting The Verge. The Unreal Light, also referred to as U-plus Real Glasses, is a light sunglasses-style headset that tethers to a separate computing device, in this case, the Galaxy Note 20. It uses spatial tracking and projected images to overlay apps onto the real world, and Unreal pitches it as a more spacious alternative to a smartphone when you're watching videos, playing games, or reading websites. It's promising to support Chrome, Facebook, and Instagram, along with other apps at launch. The consumer retail version comes with an array of nose clips to fit different faces, as well as a corrective lens insert and a black VR cover that blocks your outside vision to create a clearer picture. Unreal previously shipped a $1,199 developer kit that included a controller and a dedicated mini-computer. The consumer version of the glasses will use a phone-based control system, and Unreal announced that it would bring hand-tracking to the glasses at some point as well." End quote. I didn't actually have time to dig up the audio from when I got the demo at CES, but I do remember being impressed. Not, oh my god, this is going to change the world or anything, but impressed. Solid. Interesting. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months, or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot, literally cannot live or at least work without it. 1Password. 1Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. 1Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, 
iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. One password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using one password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the one password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is something that I would normally wait until the news was official before reporting on, but Airbnb is the biggest unicorn we've been anticipating might go public all year. Its path to an IPO has been so perilous, what with COVID and everything. And frankly, we've discussed how very desperately the company needs to go public soon, mostly for internal morale. So worth noting that sources are telling the Wall Street Journal that Airbnb plans to confidentially file for an IPO this month with the aim of maybe getting the listing out the door by the end of the year. Let me let the Wall Street Journal remind you of how we got here. Quote, The long-awaited move will bring one of the stalwarts of the sharing economy into the public domain alongside ride-sharing platforms Uber and Lyft, and sets up the next few months to be an especially busy time for big IPOs. Airbnb was recently valued at $18 billion, down from an earlier valuation of $31 billion. An imminent debut would mark a turnaround for Airbnb, which was founded in 2008 and allows people to list their homes for rent. For years, the company shied away from the public markets as it grew into one of the most highly valued startups with $4.8 billion in revenue in 2019 alone. It also spent big, however, prompting it to swing to a loss in the first nine months of 2019, compared with a $200 million profit a year earlier, the Wall Street Journal reported. Its woes deepened late last year after issues emerged involving crime and safety problems on its platform. And as the pandemic spread across the globe, so did the company's headaches. People stopped traveling, causing bookings to plummet. Airbnb three years ago, valued at more than $30 billion, rushed to secure financing from private equity firms Silver Lake and Sixth Street Partners at a high interest rate, and with warrants that, when exercised, would value the company at $18 billion. In May, Airbnb said it was laying off a quarter of its staff, end quote. We're going to end today with an omnibus segment, just grabbing a couple of things, two Elon Musk-related items and one that continues our e-reader theme this week. But as promised, what you're about to hear was never recorded by me. The rest of this segment was produced by Descript and that new overdub feature, wherein I trained it on about 45 minutes of my voice. And then I merely had to type out a script and let the overdub AI produce the audio with a deep fake of my voice. Let's see how it sounds, shall we? Starting now. First up, SpaceX is dead serious about getting their Starlink internet satellites into orbit. In fact, they're so serious, they're manufacturing the satellites at a rate that is completely unprecedented for the space industry, Elon Musk's space company told the FCC that its Starlink unit is now building 120 satellites per month. But even at that rate, this is still going to take a while. 
because SpaceX wants to eventually deploy 12,000 of the small satellites into orbit. 600 are already in orbit. Quoting CNBC, it's difficult to contextualize what SpaceX's satellite production rate means given the difference in size and complexity of spacecraft built by other companies. But Quilty Analytics founder Chris Quilty told CNBC that Starlink manufacturing is happening at a speed never before seen in the satellite sector. Quilty's boutique research and investment firm focuses on the satellite communications sector, which he founded after leading Raymond James' coverage of the space industry for 20 years. To put it in perspective, Iridium, which previously held the record for the largest commercial satellite constellation, was manufacturing satellites at the rate of about six satellites per month at the peak of production, Quilty said, end quote. Also on the Elon Musk tip, Tesla is apparently involved in developing a smart watch, and people are wondering why. Quoting Electric, Explora Technologies, a Norway-based wearable company focusing on smartwatches for kids, has filed an application with the FCC for a new smartwatch and listed Tesla as being involved in the project in an application to keep aspects of the project confidential. The company listed Tesla Motors in the filing. In particular, they are seeking FCC approval for the use of connectivity on their X5 Play SM smartwatches that has been built to track the activities of kids and allow them to send voice messages and predefined text messages. It's hard to believe that Tesla would get involved in smartwatches for kids, but there could be a few possible explanations. First off, Tesla might have acquired Xplora Technologies, explaining why it is mentioned in the filling. It might have acquired the company for its employees, but then it would be strange for them to still apply for FCC approval, which would aim to launch the product in the US. Therefore, it's possible that Tesla is actually looking to use the Xplora smartwatch platform. We have seen that third-party app developers have made Apple Watch apps to control Tesla vehicles using smartwatches, with Tesla moving to using phones instead of key fobs for Model 3 and Model Y. It's possible that Tesla is looking to offer a smartwatch as an optional key, end quote. And finally, would you get your comic books from a dedicated e-reader if it had color e-ink? Quoting PC Magazine, the Onyx Books Poke to Color e-reader recently launched on the bookstore, and it offers a color experience for those willing to spend a lot for a far-from-perfect experience. Onyx is quite open about the poke to color being based on emerging technology, and states on the product page that the device has a rather low resolution compared to the more typical non-color e-readers it sells. It recommends the poke to color only be purchased by those people who are keen on trying new things. So how limited is it? The poke to color uses a 6 inches color e-ink display with a resolution of 1, for 8 by one 70 to pixels. When viewing black and white images or text, it renders at 300 pixels per inch. But for color output, that's reduced to just 100 pixels per inch. Color is also limited to just the 4,096 colors offered by the e-ink Kalido panel. It's a touchscreen, though, and includes a front light with 30 to levels of brightness control. What may stop a poke to color purchase even for those keen to try new things is the price. It's $299 for the e-reader, although Onyx is throwing in a protective cover for free, which usually costs $39.99. Even so, the non-color version of the poke to only costs $190, clearly showing how much of a premium that color e-ink display adds. However, the positive in all of this is the fact that color e-reader has hit the market. And that suggests others will follow. They'll get better. And they'll get cheaper. End quote.
So what did you think of that? Obviously, it's not gonna fool anyone in any sort of audio Turing test anytime soon. And I did have to go in there somewhat to do some cleanup. Like, it kept pronouncing Elon Musk as Ellen Musk. So I had to go in and spell it out E-Lon Musk. And clearly, you can hear very obvious intakes of breath when there are commas in the text, which is interesting. I wonder if I re-recorded the test audio and tried not to do any breathing, if that would somehow eliminate those intakes and then there would just be silence. Though sometimes pauses for breath actually make sense in the sentence and that would help make it seem more natural, so that would actually be useful, maybe, in fooling your ears in certain cases. Also, it was interesting how it did numbers. Like, I picked that segment to test this on because it had a lot of technical jargon and numbers. But if you think about it, it's amazing that it did that well at all. Like, I guarantee you, I never uttered the word iridium in the training. And so it had to put words like that together all by its own, as my four-year-old would say. And individual sections of words strung together, like certain sentences in there, it got the cadence mostly right. So think about it. It's constructing the words in a believable way, piecing them together from pieces of other words. It's maybe halfway to getting the cadence right. And then if it gets better at the inflections, I mean, bottom line, pretty, pretty cool, right? It's way better than I thought the technology would be before I tried it out, though it's clearly not 100% there yet. So I'll give you another sample and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Now, this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air in West Philadelphia, born and raised. On the playground was where I spent most of my days, chilling out, maxin', relaxin', all cool, and shootin' some b-ball outside of the school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood, I got in one little fight and my mom got scared. She said, you're movin' with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. I whistled for a cab, and when it came near, the license plate said fresh and it had dice in the mirror. If anything, I could say that this cab was rare. But I thought, nah, forget it. Yo, homes to Bel Air. I pulled up to the house about seven or eight. And I yelled to the cabbie, yo, homes smell ya later. I looked at my kingdom. I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel Air.